get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And here's your host from up the coast, practically unknown outside of comedy soundcasting, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson Saner. Saluton, estes me, Tyson Saner, your host for the duration of this penultimate adjacent episode of Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. I'm giving you a short intro today because I've got more important things to share with you than the insane ramblings of a madman attempting to disguise itself as coherent soundcast hosting. Of the clips I've got, three of them were sent in to me, and I appreciate that a great deal. They are Assisting from Michael McClure, Dare Daniel from Daniel Barnes and Corky McDonnell, and a clip from the good folks over at Strange Times whose lineup has had an addition as of late. I also managed to scare up a few soundcast clips of my own somehow. Four, in fact. I've got clips from Mind Fudge Comedy Podcast, Nerd You, Ghosted Hunters, and The History of Stand-Up. That makes seven clips in total. Think of it as a little extra stuffing in your bird, or in your stocking, or whatever it is that you might stuff and eat, or hang above your fireplace. In addition to clips, I've got selected readings from our 100% fake sponsor with a 100% real website, TrumpPoetry.com. There might even be a Henderson's Pants thrown in for good measure. What was that I was saying about a short intro? Sorry about that. I'll make it a New Year's resolution or something. Let's get to the show because I've got a pretty serious update for you. By now, many of you have likely heard or read that on October 7th, 2019... As reported in an article by Sam Whiting in the Datebook section of the San Francisco Chronicle, dated November 26th of 2019, Will Durst suffered a stroke and, as the article's title points out, quote, cancels comedy shows for the first time in 30 years, unquote. I will read some of the article here. Will Durst has finally hit the wall. The political humorist who hasn't missed a performance in 30 years has been hospitalized since suffering a stroke on October 7th backstage before a scheduled performance at the Presidio Theater. As a result, Durst vs. Durst, his bi-weekly dialogue with himself on a wide range of subjects, has not appeared in the Chronicle since October 15th. His website and newsletters are lacking their constant updates, he's gone silent on social media, and he has postponed all appearances for the first time in his long career. Will has never lost the ability to speak or communicate, and he jokes with his nursing staff every day, said his wife, Debbie Durst, in an exclusive interview with the Chronicle. One day this week, he asked one of them if she would be so kind as to fetch him a beer. Durst also told his wife from his hospital bed in the intensive care unit that he was planning their Thanksgiving menu and, quote, wanted to know if I wanted him to make turkey, roast beef, or roast pork, unquote. Clearly, the 67-year-old comedian is trying out material for his next appearance. Regrettably, it will not be in time for Durst Presents the Big Fat Year-End Kiss-Off Comedy Show 27, a Christmas season cavalcade that will go on without its headliner. The annual tour opens December 22nd, takes a break so that Durst can prepare a sumptuous Christmas dinner, then runs nightly from December 27th through January 5th in a different Bay Area venue each night from Pleasanton to Pleasant Hill. Six comics, Debbie and Will Durst, Michael Bozier, Mari Magaloni, Arthur Gauss, and Johnny Steele were scheduled to perform a roadshow with Durst as the headliner and executive producer. This is the 27th year, and the first time he will not be in charge. Comics Diane Amos 
And then in parentheses, it says the pine saw lady from television ads, uh, close parentheses, Dan St. Paul, Larry Bubbles Brown, Michael Meehan, and Barry Weintraub will alternate guest appearances in place of Durst. Quote, he'll still be leading the comedy caravan, says Debbie, but he'll be doing it from his hospital bed. On the night he was stricken, Durst was waiting to take the stage as part of the 60th anniversary celebration for the San Francisco Mime Troupe. Another performer noticed Durst having trouble moving and suggested he go to the emergency room. I can't, he said. I need to tell my jokes. A few minutes later, he collapsed, bringing to mind the old vaudeville line, Is there a doctor in the house, says Debbie. Luckily, there was, the mother of one of the Mime Troupe performers. She rushed backstage to find Durst on the floor, took his vitals, and called for an ambulance. Durst had not been hospitalized since the day he was born, his wife said. Throughout this six-week ordeal, Durst has never lost consciousness. He can read, but cannot write, which is a struggle because he would write every day for his website or his weekly newsletter, Burst o Durst, Burst of Durst, it says here. We, of course, we've been calling it the Burst o Durst for a while. Uh, his brain is trying to reboot itself and reinstall many apps, says Debbie. He has not posted on Facebook or Twitter for a month, and his friends and fans have been wondering. It's like, where's Waldo? Where's Will Durst, says Debbie, who has been the gatekeeper. I've been warning people under threat of pain and torture to keep this off all social media platforms. But the couple felt it was finally time to make a public announcement. Debbie plans to open all nine nights of the big fat year-end kiss-off comedy show by taking the stage to explain Durst's absence. And it won't be somber. There could be jokes at his expense. He's probably writing them in his head right now. So I'll read the dates now, including the one that just went by. Uh, Durst presents the Big Fat Comedy Kiss-Off. Uh, the first show was at 8 p.m. December 22nd at Hop Monk Tavern, 224 Vintage Way. No, no is that Novato or Novato? I'm going to say Novato. Or Novato. I'm going to say Novato. Uh, and then the subsequent dates are 8 p.m. December 27th, Firehouse Arts Center, 4444 Railroad Avenue, Pleasanton. 8 p.m. December 28th, Lesher Center for the Arts, 1601 Civic Drive, Walnut Creek. 7 p.m. December 29th, Rhythmic Cultural Works, 2513 Blanding Avenue in Alameda. 8 p.m. December 30th, Coastal Repertory, 1167 Main Street, Half Moon Bay. 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. December 31st, Theater on San Pedro Square, 29 North San Pedro Street, San Jose. At 7.30 p.m. January 1st, at the Throckmorton Theater, 142 Throckmorton Avenue, Mill Valley. 7 p.m. January 3rd, Pleasant Hill Senior Center, 233 Gregory Lane, Pleasant Hill. 8 p.m. January 4th, Raven Theater. 115 North Street, Healdsburg. At 7.30 p.m., January 5th, Cobbs Comedy Club, 915 Columbus Avenue. And then it says SF, which I assume is San Francisco. Ticket prices vary by venue. For more details, go to willdurst.com. And you can send your Get Well cards to Wildurst, that's capital W-I-L-L, capital D-U-R-S-T, P.O. Box 225 one two six. That's PO Box two two five one two six. San Francisco, California, nine four one two two, nine four one two two. So, it just so happens I also have a couple of bursts for this episode for you. So, leading the show tonight is the first one, which I received on September sixteenth, twenty nineteen, and it's called a football debate, in which our intrepid correspondent gets confused. Not an entirely original sort of occasion. Hey guys, Will Durst here with an embarrassing admission. Was supposed to do a commentary on the Democratic candidate debate, but also had a deadline on the opening of the football season, and, well, they kind of got mixed up. So, apologies all around, but here goes. Joe Biden. This crafty veteran will always give you 110%, but you can't help but think some of those unforced errors are going to come back to haunt him. Elizabeth Warren. 
Everybody could see she's bringing her A game, but now it's gut check time, and she needs to put the rock in the house. Bernie Sanders, a man who obviously believes that winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. And also, the best offense is loud. Beto O'Rourke, taking it one debate at a time, proving to everyone he can play with the big boys and girls. Andrew Yang, he matches up well with the Democratic message and talks a good game, but now it's time to punch it in. Pete Buttigieg, he's looking at fourth and forever, so it might just be Hail Mary time for Mayor Pete. Kamala Harris, momentum has shifted and her back is up against the wall, so she threw her game plan out the window and is running it right up the middle. Amy Klobuchar. At the end of the day, it mostly comes down to how bad she wants it and whether she can score the most points. Cory Booker, you can't stop him. All you can hope to do is contain him. Julian Castro, he left it all out on the debate stage and demonstrated he believes the best offense is a good offense. But don't any of them relax because Tom Steyer has shaken off plenty of would-be tacklers and isn't running out of money anytime soon. It's obvious this man came to play. For Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. First up tonight, assisting from Michael McClure. This was submitted by Hightail and pointed out to me by executive producer Mark Hershon. It's described on Apple Podcast as a Hollywood assistant interacts with real businesses to complete tasks for the rich and famous. Now, I have listened to the entire first season. The episodes aren't very long, so I was able to binge them in an afternoon, and they are uh, pretty amusing. <laughs> I, I hope that doesn't sound patronizing, because I really did enjoy it. I just, uh, yeah. So uh, the, the clip is from the first episode, which dropped on August 20th, 2019, and it's titled, Mr. Forrester Would Like to Be Honored with a Key to the City of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. My name is Michael, and I have the best job in the world. I'm an assistant to the stars of Hollywood. People always ask me, what does an assistant do? So I started this podcast to show everyone. Honestly, there's only one rule for being an assistant. When given a task, get it done no matter what. Currently, I work for Jack Forrester, the legendary actor you might know from such films as the 1955 Western cult classic Out to Pasture, or 1958's The Indians Are Coming. He was also the dad in Jaws 3. Today's task? Mr. Forrester would like to be given the key to the city of Los Angeles by Mayor Garcetti to honor his lifetime of contributions to the cinematic arts. So I dialed up the mayor's office to see when they could fit him in. Mayor's press office. Hello, I'm Jack Forrester's assistant. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? He, he, the legendary actor from The Hangman Westerns, like, let's settle this outside. He was also the dad in Jaws 3. Okay, great. Um, how are you doing? How can I help you? Yeah, hi. So Jack um, would love to be honored by the mayor for his contributions to film throughout the ages and given a key to the city of Los Angeles by the mayor. He wants an honor and a key. Yeah, how does one uh, arrange to get a key to the city? From my time here, um, no one has gotten, like, through the comms office anyways, like, I've, no one's gotten a key through, like, 
something through here. Got it. So they like did something heroic out in the city. I'm guessing so. Um... The comms office clerk made one thing abundantly clear. The city of Los Angeles doesn't care about its patriarchs. This is where a lot of assistants would have given up, but not me. At the end of the call, she mentioned that they do give keys to the city to those who perform a heroic act. So to get Mr. Forrester a key, all I had to do was make him a hero. Well, he's already a hero to Western fans everywhere, so a double hero. Everyone knows that the most heroic, selfless act possible is to save a beached whale. Rolling a beached whale back into the ocean would be more than enough to get a key to the city. So I called up the city's Parks and Recreation Department to see if there were any beached whales Mr. Forrester could save. City of Los Angeles, Reckon Parks. Hello, I'm Jack Forrester's assistant. Hello. Hello? Yeah, the Jack Forrester, the legendary actor. Okay. Uh, he played the prospector in the 1951 Western classic, The Wild River Posse. Okay. Anyway, so Mr. Forrester would love to uh, do something heroic for the city to give back. And one of the things he was thinking about was maybe saving a beached whale. Are there any beached whales on your beaches right now? Um, are you looking for like a specific beach or something? Because this might not be the right line um maybe venice beach calling venice beach would be what you're trying to uh, look for the kind stoner i spoke to provided me the number of the venice beach parks department and assured me that if there are any multi-ton whales fighting for their life they definitely know about it beaches and harbor this diane how can i help you hello i'm jack forrester's assistant okay and? Uh, the legendary actor. I don't know who Jack Forrest is. I'm sorry. Uh, he, he, so what he, did he, he He played the dad in Jaws 3. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. Um, he was also in the Western classic, The Showdown, but it's okay. Um, uh, Jack, Jack would like to do something heroic for the city, and he wanted to give back by helping any um, beached whale that would wash up on the shore. Do you guys have any of those... Uh, washed up on the shore right, right now. now? I don't have any beach whales right now. I understand, you know, it's it's sometimes private information, but if you were to, you know, tip us off if there's a beach whale he could save? Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. The woman I spoke to clearly wanted to keep all the beached whales for herself, and it was becoming clear that I wasn't going to be able to make Mr. Forrester a hero. This is another point in which some assistants might have given up. But I'm not some assistance. You can reach Michael McClure on Twitter at Mike Sitting Down. That is at M I K E S I T T I N G D O W N. Next up, also brought to my attention by executive producer Mark Hershon and sent from Hightail, a show called Dare Daniel. And here's the note that accompanied it. it says uh, Dare Daniel podcast is a comedy movie review show hosted by one film critic and one comic. We take listener dares of the worst movies ever and review slash recap them. Interesting. This clip is from the 2019 film The Fanatic, starring John Travolta as Moose and directed by Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit. Interesting. So back at Hunter Dunbar's house, the maid mentions to Hunter Dunbar that she saw Moose in the yard, and he pretty much is like, He is eh. 
flippant he, as shit. He does not care. He does not. Like, he, you just saw a dude in front of your house that like threatened to kill him. You've threatened this man twice now who's following you. And the maid tells you, I saw this guy here. And he just rolls his eyes and then makes a move on her. Yep. <laughs> and she's like, uh, not so into that. I don't. She actually says, I don't think we can do this anymore. Yeah. And Hunter on the phone later, this is like how often this happened. He just is like. Oh yeah, I kissed the maid again. Like he's talking to his his handlers or whoever. And that phone like, call I is fucking again. amazing too. I did that again. <laughs> yeah. So Hunter leaves. Moose comes back. He finds his letter and he puts but it. Before like, Hunter on leaves, stuff. we have the very important gardener takes off early day <laughs> scene. There's what a whole was that? Like, there's like a whole, five minutes long. That scene was so long. A whole scene where he goes out to talk and the gardener's like, "It's raining. Can I go home early?" Yeah, why don't you go home early? But you know, okay, cool. And then that was it. Like, why is that here? But it does set up nothing, uh-huh. nothing at all. Moose comes back. Right? It's like his third time at the house. He grabs his letter and he puts it like on a stump so to be like, okay, well, ev- everyone will see it because it's right on this stump, right? The maid comes out and is like, get the hell out of here. She's trying to swat him away, swat him away. She's like, what are you doing? He's like, eh, no, 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 no. He just sucker punches her. Yep. She goes down dead. Hits her head on a birdbath on the way She's down. She's dead. She's fucking gonzo. And he yells, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. That's a nosebleed. <laughs> That's, That's a, a nosebleed. nosebleed. <laughs> I had a nosebleed once. But then he basically, because remember, he just forgets things after like a few seconds. He just looks up, realizes, oh, shit, that's Hunter Dunbar's house, and just goes into the house. He goes in there. He starts going through his shit. He selfies himself we in are, the house. What, we are, what, 30, 45 minutes in the movie? Yeah. Moose has murdered a woman. He's just murdered her. That does not play out for another 40 minutes. Oh, my it's God. It's forgot about. Yeah. No, you, you will need to remember to forget that there is a corpse. <laughs> On his like on his front lawn, not in the bushes, not hidden. It's laying out on his lawn, it. and it will be there for several days <laughs> with no one noticing it. No one notices it. It's so fucking insane. It's like, oh shit! Oh, I forgot about. The- oh, okay. This movie is. This it's is where the movie so goes full throttle written. nuts. Yeah, because really he's in does. Hunter Dunbar's house, going all through his stuff. Goes to his medicine cabinet, watches his home movies. They show his awards, and it's like, (laughs) they're like regional salesman awards. (laughs) He's got a bunch of dundies. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so now he's just going in in the house. It's just this whole kind of presumed ownership over a celebrity in his life. So he, Hunter actually comes home, does not notice the dead body in his yard, neither does his son. He's hiding in his closet. He's hiding under the son's bed. I'm not sure how he got from the closet to under the bed. There's a scene of Travolta hiding in a closet, which <laughs> uh, that's where I'm wondering, is this meta? Is yeah. it, like, is there an in-joke in there, Fred Durst? So Hunt, or Hunter Dunbar, of course, remember, he takes a lot of those pills, so he just zonks out. Like, zonks out. <laughs> but this is the phone call. This is when he's talking to his handler, and he tells him about the, uh, I kissed the maid again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is this is how the phone call wraps up. He goes, yeah, some weirdo's been sneaking around the house. I had to chase him away. Oh, okay, bye. <laughs> like, if somebody told you that, and you're just like, oh, look, I gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm watching The Office. I gotta go. <laughs> So Hunter is fast asleep. He starts taking selfies with Hunter. Yeah. He kisses his forehead. He's just he's just fucking with him, basically. And he actually just goes to sleep right next to him. Hunter is sleeping like on a, a chair in the living room. And Travolta does the same thing. He has this dream of being a child and watching Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. while some dude in a trucker hat prepares to plow his mom. <laughs> 
Why and did mom's they show? Like, I would worry about little little. Don't worry moose. about my little moosey. <laughs> He's just watching the one public domain movie we can get footage of. <laughs> uh, and the next morning, though, he wakes up. Sleepover. <laughs> they have a little sleepover, but he wakes up next to Hunter and, and is able to take off just in time before Hunter. Now it's the next morning. Still huh? a corpse in the backyard. <laughs> Still corpse watch. 18 hours. Still there. We're in 18 hours. Hunter is now driving his son to school, and what <laughs> music do they play? This is this is where I'm like, limp what the? F- biscuit. The, but the, Devin Sawa goes, you want to hear a little Limp biscuit? Yeah. yeah. I used to listen to this Not shit. Not so subtle about it. If you like what you heard, you can reach out to the show on Twitter at DareDanielPod. That is D-A-R-E-D-A-N-I-E-L-P-O-D. You can reach out to host Daniel Barnes at Barnes on Film, capital B-A-R-N-E-S, capital O-N, capital F-I-L-M. Corky McDonald is not on Twitter, uh, but his Facebook is www.facebook.com forward slash and then C-O-R-K-Y dot M-C-D-O-N-N-E-L-L. You can find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you can go to the website www.daredaniel.com. And thank you again for submitting. Ah, yes, in the third spot, it's Strange Times Podcast again. One of my favorite programs. Uh, submitted to me by Davian Dent directly. So, uh, as I said, they've added a new member to their lineup, and uh, there is a clip they sent me from episode 325, and it's called Strange Times Writes a Film Script. Now, I actually heard this episode uh, not that long ago in its entirety, so I recognized the clip when I heard it. It was very nice of Davian to send that in to me, and I'm glad because I was thinking of clipping it at some point, seeing as how we're nearly at the end of our run here. And so this is the perfect opportunity. Here you go. We should make a film. What's the plot of the film, Davian? It has to be about time travel, yeah? So uh, the three of us got to be uh, three um, um, Amigas, some Commodore Amigas. (laughs) We have got to go back in time to stop us from making the film that the film is of. Yeah. And the way we do it is we join three Commodore Amigas together to get the power to make a time machine. Or in the the boot of a Vauxhall Amiga. Hang on, let's ask Mr. Distorted Effects Man. Um, so racist. Right. He is. I don't know why he keeps coming over. Um, right. So let's. Cat, we're being sensible here, please. We're trying to come up with a script idea. What a <laughs> well, oh, hang on a minute. Before we go back in time, we've, we've got to work out by what manner we're traveling back in time. Ah, maybe Cat is the Time Lord, but not Doctor Who. We'll have to call him something else. Uh, Clock lady. Cock lady. Well, that's, Clock lady. Well, cock lady be nice and modern. <laughs> and he comes back from the future to send us two back in time to stop yeah. all three of us from getting pissed out of our heads and making a film. Yeah, and right. somehow we have to travel to Uranus. Very good. And yeah. I have one question. Uh, which one of us nearly fucks our own mum? Obviously, that's you, because you're the tallest. No, mine's a skunk. What about yours? Still dead. So, hang on, hang on, no, 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 come on, let's be sensible here. Cat comes from two months in the future. All this bullshit about going back centuries, no, forget it, Cat comes back two months. Ah, right, and what clothes would he be wearing? Well, he's Australian, so he'd be in like a fucking, I don't know, dungarees and something from the 80s. Yeah, but but (laughs) instead of corks dangling from his hat, he's got like USB sticks. Oh, I like it, yeah. Yeah. Ah, no. We go forward in time by mistake, like to a million years in the future, and like we're the only humans left. Well, who's taking over the earth? 
forget a million years in the future, it's been ruined for about 900,000 years. So we appear and uh, we're literally on the earth that's um, the size of a football. Because <laughs> 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 it's all fucked. And, and like that's the end of the film, we go, oh, fuck it. Can't. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Obviously, um, some point in the film, there's going to have to be a, like, a soft porn segment. I mean, like, Cat's a sexy one, so he has to be the one that gets off the tarts. Uh, women. <laughs> split arses. Um, women in... Um, what you like. In fact, what I might do is I might just get um, uh, Ben Affleck pissed. It probably won't take much. Just wave a can of Kestrel <laughs> under his nose. Can. Um, he can play me, um, so I don't have to even turn up. I just. Give <laughs> Who's going to play you in the stunt scenes, Dom? Karen Gillan. <laughs> right. I feel, I, I feel an affinity with her. I feel like Danny DeVito. She, yeah, Danny DeVito and Karen Gillan at the same time, side by side. Ah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. We make this 3D with the red and green spec, paper specs things on, and when you look at through the red eye, you see Danny DeVito. When you look through the green eye, you see Karen <laughs> Gillan, and if you look through both, you see them merged together. Oh, that's going to be a really awkward wank, isn't it? It's going to be a fucking brilliant wank, Carl. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so, no eyelids. Right. What we need is a bit of like a sepia tone movie and um, classic rock Yo, or classy. something. Very nice. Do you know any good bands? No, uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> now you're thinking, you're thinking too linear. The thing at the moment, there's a rising up and a dong, but there's also, in a female voice, a song that you know, but sung quite slowly. So I, I think it should be something like... Saturday night, and I like the way you move, play baby. What do you think? You're in front. It's the best idea we've had so far. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that. I'll say that. Right, okay. Uh, okay. Also coming last. So what we got then? We've got um, you come back mm-hmm. to save the planet, but instead you get pissed up with us lot and start a podcast about saving the planet and lightning strikes and that sends you millions of years in the future uh, when, when's davian's ben affleck where's he in this what's he supposed to be doing that's when he wakes up isn't it? and then you hear davian's voice but you see ben affleck's face <laughs> imagine they're filming that bit we're all standing around and then ben affleck's like oh waking up and then david just races onto the set and beats off onto him like oh cut Take 46, <laughs> click. Stop trying to put a biscuit on his face, Davian. Come on. <laughs> I mean, like, what are we going to... Fucking... <laughs> what are we going to call the film? The Time Biscuit Trilogy. Yeah. Biscuit yeah. cunts. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> from outer space. Biscuit cunts from outer space. Oh, biscuit cunts from outer space too, and then they'll think they've missed one. Oh, you're a motherfucking <laughs> genius. Oh, uh, so now you can reach the show... At Strange T Show on Twitter, that is capital S T R A N G E, capital T, capital S H O W. Davian Dent can be reached at D A V I A N D E N T. Kat Sorens can be reached at capital M A B V U K U on Twitter, theoretically. And new member Dom Risk can be reached at D O M R I S K. And you can find the show at their website at www.strangetimeshow.com. It is Again, that is S-T-R-A-N-G-E-T-I-M-E-S-S-H-O-W dot com. I have an update. Recently, we featured a clip from a show called How Did This Get Played, uh, which is a show that I've started listening to regularly. So uh, it was reported on this program as having the Twitter address at HDTGPod, where the, the, the HDTG and P are all capitalized and then pod uh, comes after that. So anyway, that was correct information until recently. 
The show's Twitter address has been changed to GetPlayedPod, which is G-E-T-P-L-A-Y-E-D-P-O-D. And if you like video games and hearing people talk about them, and uh, especially, I uh, guess, bad or weird ones, it's kind of the same, pretty much if you've heard of How Did This Get Made, which was a, a movie podcast. It's essentially the same idea. It's not necessarily just bad games. They can also be really unique. Anyway, it's <laughs> it's uh, it, pretty fun stuff. Also, during when I was giving out the information, I neglected to include the Twitter info for producer Matt Apodaca, whose handle is at M-A-T-T-A-P-O-D-A-C-A. And the person who does the music for the show goes by um, Bafflegabs, exclamation point. Yes, that, that has an exclamation point baked into it. That is, uh, So the Twitter, Twitter handle, though, is at capital B-A-F-F-L-E-G-A-B-S, no exclamation point. This episode of Suckatash is sponsored in part by TrumpPoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's TrumpPoetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. TrumpPoetry.com. Yes, TrumpPoetry.com. And what a year it has been. So this first one I'm going to read is from December 4th, 2019, and it's uh, number 414. The definition of impeachable, a clear delineation of offenses, a leadership that's badly lost its senses, and Trump declares himself unreachable. This is our now as audience and actors, with scripts of lies and spin across a spectrum, a close-up shot of democracy's rectum. The loss of decency no longer factors. What we see here is not all that there is, this tightly scripted staged reality, the numbness of lurid banality. Don't underestimate the business of the biz. Beyond this tragic sideshow, one thing's certain, there's more that's going on behind the curtain. And from today, full disclosure, it's the 23rd of December, and that's number 396. In the White House, there's folks acting snotty. In the House and the Senate, they're haughty. Is that Santa we see flying over D.C.? Because everyone there is too naughty. Right? Right. Our next offering of Soundcastery is... Nerd U, that is all caps, N-E-R-D, and then the letter U. And it's from Umnia, which is spelled U-M-N-I-A. Its description says news, explanations, reviews, and developments. Nerd U is a weekly roundup of nerdy news about the movies and TV shows running pop culture. So the clip is from uh, the September 29th. 2019 upload. It's called the Ep Live from the iPad. And in this clip, host Omnia sings the praises of Plan B Entertainment, founded by Jennifer Anderson, Brad Pitt, and the late Brad Gray, and their contributions to film and film history. Okay, we've got quite a few reviews. I just want to apologize in advance that I am recording this on my iPad. Um, the audio is not going to be great, and I'm literally in a side room um, trying to get away from my work for a little bit. But I need to talk to you guys about these movies I saw. We're going to start with the movie you probably know the least about and work up. So I saw a movie at uh, London Film Festival 
that really was truly beautiful and an amazing story. It was called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. If you want to watch it, it's now um, up on digital. Um, you can buy it on, on, on online. It is this kind of very classical, beautiful story of um, of a guy just trying to kind of make his way into adulthood. You know, it's about the stories we tell ourselves. It's about how we lie to ourselves um, how we maintain our sense of hope, how we maintain our sense of mobility in life, um, and and how that can sometimes be damaging. And sometimes the best thing you can do is feel unsafe and feel unprepared and not have all the answers and not have a story to tell yourself. So that, that story can be shown to you. Your story of your life can come towards you as opposed to you building it. And I just thought it was the most beautiful, well-made, well-acted perfectly shot film um speaking of of uh of my review i will be posting little mini reviews of each film i tried to get to see at the festival on my twitter there's a running uh uh pinned tweet at the top of my of my profile and you'll find all of my comments on there so if you're wanting to know my immediate after the theater thoughts on these movies um go go have a look um on my twitter at omnia music as you guys know um, the acting was exquisite, and um, Jimmy Fails and Jonathan Majors were the two main characters, and just knocked it out of the park. And I, um, I picked the movie to go and see because it looked so beautiful. And then I sat down, and I was so convinced, like I'm just going to really enjoy this really cool artsy movie about black guys in San Francisco, black nests in San Francisco. And then um, up jumps Plan B Entertainment. And I go, wait a second, Plan B? Plan B is Brad Pitt. And I was like, yes, Brad Pitt. Y'all need to peep, truly peep what Brad Pitt is doing out here. Because a lot of movie studios are talking a lot of diversity game. But Plan B Entertainment actually put money into the diversity game. They funded 12 Years a Slave. They have funded Last Black Man in San Francisco. I could go on. I'm going to go on. Let me literally, let me literally look it up right now. Plan B. They, but they funded Moonlight. They made Moonlight. My dude, my dude, no one is doing more. No one, no one, no one is doing more for black filmmaking than Brad Pitt. Oh my God, I'm living, I'm living, I'm living. Okay, well, uh, Selma, uh, Ava DuVernay's uh, hit film, helped make that. The Big Short, one of my favorite political films about the 2008 financial crash, which I'll be talking about later. Um, the Big Short in connection with the movie The Report, amazing. Um, Lost City of Z, one of my favorite movies with Tom Holland in. Um, I just, if Beale Street could talk, my dude. Um, they even funded The King, which is this movie that uh, Timothy Chalamet is going to be in with Robert Pattinson. I'm going to try and see it at the festival. Um, and they also made Vice, the movie about Dick Cheney, another movie I'll be referencing um, when we talk about uh, Adam Driver's The Report. Listen, listen, listen. No one is doing more for black cinema than Brad Pitt. No one is doing more for black cinema than Brad Pitt. Think about that. Think about that. Think about that.
before you go to sleep tonight, okay? Brad Pitt is doing more for black cinema than almost anyone in Hollywood. We stand a good father. Um, so that's The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I would encourage everyone to go see it, especially those of us that have got that little bit of sauce, those melanated folk, my melanated brothers and sisters. We need to watch it because it's just freaking fun. You know, how many movies do white people get, right, of, like, living their truth and, and, and loving their lives and learning lessons and, like, you know, the idea of their lives and thinking, you know, wishy-washy kind of hipster shit. We want hipster stuff too. We're hipsters. Like, Jimmy just literally skateboards through San Francisco for, like, most of the movie. Like, we stand a carefree hipster king. Anyway, basically... Watch it. It's amazing. It's amazing. You can reach out to Umnia on Twitter. It's listed as Umnia L. Neal at capital U, capital M, capital N, capital I, capital A, capital M, U-S-I-C. That is Umnia Music. She has a YouTube channel where you can listen to her music under her name, which is also in all caps. And her website is listed as www.umnialneal.com. Is U M N I A E N E I L dot com. Next up, Mind Fudge Comedy Podcast. Mind Fudge Comedy Podcast is a weekly show hosted by three funny guys from Houston, Texas. Each week, either Justin, George, or Andy will bring a new theme to the table and it will be discussed at length and then incorporated into the show segments. Segments such as Mind Melters, Hot Fudge, and Ask the Nuts. It's a bit nutty, but we think you'll have fun with it. Fair enough. The clip is from episode 64, posted August 2nd, 2019, titled Bad Words. Its description reads, This week's episode is our most explicit yet as we... And then dot dot dot. Just ends there. The clip features a game called Shakespearean Insults. Uh, so uh, Catherine directed me to this fun game called Shakespearean Insults, uh, which you guys are probably going to have to either pull it up on your phone or borrow mine. We can pull it up. No yeah. Problem. Google. Uh, so basically, they say you need a sheet of paper, but I don't think we really need a sheet of paper. Okay. Uh, well, I thought it would be fun if uh, we go around and we I'll say three and you say three and Andy will say three. Okay. And uh, basically, if you look at the rules, it's very simple. You pick uh, a, a word from letter uh, column A and column B and column C and you put them together and that's your Shakespearean insult towards somebody. Okay. Uh, would you like to go first? Sure. And who am I insulting? And we'll just go and go around. Like you go to Andy, then me, and then Andy will go. So Andy is a beslubbering, beetle-headed canker blossom. <laughs> George, you are a goatish, fly-bitten hugger mugger. <laughs> wow, that's I feel very insulted. Uh, Justin, you are a saucy, plum-pucked. Minnow. How do you like that? All right. Andy, you are a goatish, dizzy-eyed clot pole. I said goatish. Copycat. (laughs) George, you are a mammering, weather-bitten maggot pie. Andy, you are a rank. I thought you were doing Justin. I'm I'm turning the tables. (laughs) Andy, you're a rank, swag-biled hugger-mugger. George, go fuck yourself for cupping me again. 
<laughs> you gleeking flap mouth flap dragon. That's a lot of flapping. <laughs> flapping. Andy, <laughs> you are a fobbing fat livered bugbear. Hey, don't Lumpish, pick, pick on his reading. <laughs> don't pick on his real issues here. Uh, Justin, you are a bootless clay brained uh, strumpet. Yep. That's right. You're a strumpet. Totally. Damn, how will I live that down? <laughs> uh, you are a puny poxmarked nut hook. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Spongy half faced nut hook. Miscreant. I just said nut hook. I corrected myself. <laughs> Andy is a, Andy is an unmuzzled spur galled hedge pig. Impertinent onion eyed horn beast. Tottering, dread bolted pig nut. Who are you calling a pig nut? You pig nut. Hey pig nut. Hey hey hey, hey pig nut. Whatever. Boar pig. Canker blossom. Bug bear. Coxswain. Bum Bailey. Wait, no, that was an insult. Paunchy, really right, pumpkin. Wayface. <laughs> Codpiece. Vassal. <laughs> All right, you get the idea. I get the idea. It's fun. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I imagine it's a lot more fun with more people. Probably so. This is a like it's probably a also more exercise. fun if you like shout it out and then make them try to guess what that word means. Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do earlier. I thought that was pretty fun. Trying to guess what it means. You, you can try like, it one of those. Like, no. No, we'll no? move on. It's no? fine. Okay. Let's go to ask the nuts because we got some questions. It is time to ask the nuts. It's a bit nutty. Yay! Questions. Andy. If you could magically make one everyday word into a cuss word, which word would you choose? Is this a word that we suddenly wouldn't be able to use because it's a cuss word? No, it's just a bad word. It would become a cuss word. Like You could say fuck. No one's stopping you from saying fuck. Well, yeah, yeah. But if I'm like, the... <laughs> you just cause chaos. Yes. I'm going to go with of. Like. Like. <laughs> it's already a cuss word. I'm going to say lit. <laughs> That's so lit. I was at uh, I was at Think Geek a couple weeks ago, and uh -huh. there was this there was these two kids in there, like they were teenagers, high schoolers, whatever. And they were talking about the Dragon Ball Z figures they had on the wall, and this one kid was like, "Oh man, that's so fucking lit. That's so lit. We're gonna go do this, and it's lit, and it's lit, and it's lit, and this thing's lit, and oh my god, it's lit." Where the fuck? I just wanted he... to fucking punch him in his face, and I'm looking at myself, and I'm like, "Where did he pick up his slang from? The early 2000s?" I'm just like, who who says lit? Yeah. Why is anymore? That a word? Who says lit anymore? I, I didn't say it when I was a kid. I mean, I said cool. I don't think I ever said cool half as much as that kid said lit. I don't think I said cool as many times in my life as that kid said lit in the 40 minutes that I was in the store with him. You would See? say, so would cool be your word? No, I'm going to say lit. Lit. So, Got it. Euthanasia would have been useful there. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Always with the killing. <laughs> it's the only solution. <laughs> Murder is the true science. Andy, I learned Andy's, that from... Andy's final solution. <laughs> this is one solution. This is the one-step program. Murder is the only true science, and I learned that from Back to the Future deleted scenes scripts. All right. Okay. You can reach out to the show on Twitter at MindFudgers. That is M-I-N-D-F-U-D-G-E-R-S. Host Justin Corbett at ComicalJC. That is C-O-M-I-C-A-L-J-C. George Tripsis at G-O... <laughs> G-E-O-R-G-E-T-R-I-P-S-A-S. -E and Andrew Jones at uh, Princess Sophia Sue, 
which is capital P-R-I-N-C-E-S-S, capital S-O-F-I-A, capital S-U. Shows on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and on Luminary, hmm. which is uh, www.luminarypodcast.com. Luminary is spelled L-U-M-I-N-A-R-Y. And, of course, you can go to the website, mindfudgecomedy.com. M-I-N-D-F-U-D-G-E-C-O-M-E-D-Y dot com. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a garment was stirring, not even a blouse. The shirts were hung by the jackets with care, in hopes that some pants soon would hang there. The boxes were nestled all snug in their drawers, while socks, athletic and tubular, had been left on the floor. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap were worn out from discussing our marital gap. From the hangers in the closet there arose such a clatter, I yanked open the door to see what was the matter. I pulled skirts and blazers aside like a flash, yanked down all my ties, my belts, and a sash. Though the weak light in that cupboard could barely show the inside of the place where all our clothes go, yet what to my wondering eyes should appear? A dozen new pads to cover my rear. Being hung like a sailor, I'm sorry, being hung by a tailor so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be Saint Nick. More rapid than eagles, his hands they did fold, those pants on wooden hangers so old. He said, oh, now here are some pants they designed for Nixon, and two pairs of trousers custom made for Wolf Blitzer. Check out that zipper, make fast the clasp, for soon pants from Henderson's will save your sweet ass. <laughs> You've heard of their dungarees, pet pants, and khakis, their Wake Island shorts were proclaimed to be tacky. Won't you please try on a pair of Henderson's best, perhaps some turtleneck trousers with a vest, or ballet pants, clam diggers, space pants for sure. Why not their drifter chinos, picnic pants, and more? There are plenty of Henderson's pants to go round. Great pantaloons at a bargain are yours to be found. That jolly old fellow, he saw I was a skeptic and realized that the hard sell at Christmas made me quite dyspeptic. So he mellowed a bit and gave me a smile and suggested we just kick back for a while. I asked him point blank, do you have time to waste? You've only got one night to be all over the place. He laughed and said not to worry. Thanks to a secret, he was in no hurry. He showed me from the sides of the trousers their sprouted wings, with pockets so deep he could carry all of his things. A sail spiel on Christmas? Are you joking? You can't! He winked and he said, Brand new from Henderson's. They're the new Santa Pants. Originally made for sneak thieves, elves, and guys who sit on thrones in the middle of department stores right after Thanksgiving, Henderson's original Santa Pants are available at the North Pole. And that's it. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from Henderson's, makers of nice knitwear and naughty naga hide since 1829. And now back, ho, 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 to Succotash. Yes, Henderson's Pants.
I have to say the Henderson's pants is probably my favorite thing about Succotash. And it's something that existed before I, uh, certainly before I took over the show, but uh, also before I was even involved with the show. I always liked uh, the Henderson's pants <laughs> segment. It's so nice to, to hear stuff produced by people who are writers, um, professionals. It's just, it's, um, it's fun stuff. There's so many of them. And uh, I encourage you to go back through the episodes and listen because, well, you know, they're fun. If you, if you like, if you like fake commercials, they are uh, for me among the best. So yeah. Anyway, in our sixth slot is a show called ghosted hunters from Ariel Kashenki comedian. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly. So his description says, Ghosting is a recent epidemic in the dating world, where someone leaves a relationship by simply vanishing from the other person's life. Comedian Ariel Kashenki and her sidekick help the victims of these heinous love crimes get closure. Each case includes testimony from the victim before the ghost hunters set about gathering evidence and seeking out the ghosts. Hmm. The ghost hunters will stop at nothing to bring justice to the brokenhearted. The clip is from the episode from October 17, 2018, from a show titled Kicking It with Keckner in which Aaron and Ariel, uh, Aaron is actually uh, Aaron Darling, I'll give out the information later, Aaron and Ariel try to harness their sexual energy by doing a week-long experiment on sexual transmutation. Did they survive? Listen to find out which one of them cheated. Does sexual transmutation work? The surprising results are in. Then they are joined by actor and comedian David Keckner. Says here, specifically, uh, The Office and Anchorman, yes, and Saturday Night Live and many other projects. Who weighs in on the saga of Chris and Candy? Hmm. Now, there has not been an episode of Ghosted Hunters released since the release of this episode from October of 2018, but shows can go on hiatus. Let's talk about... Let's start with... Well, I think one of the big themes in this episode is dishonesty when you're with Mm -hmm. someone, you know? Like, obviously, she was kind of still involved with her ex. Sure. She was... You know, dipping her toe back in the dating pool, which is fine. Am I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But at what point yeah. do you have to disclose that information? Right away. You know? I just got out of a relationship. You think so? You think you got to tell the person you're seeing, like, ASAP? Because I feel like... Is it a first date? Did they have more than one date? They've had, they had a they've couple. They've had a few dates. Well, I think, I think it's just you're better off just saying it right away. Like just saying, like, hey, it's complicated. Well, and they were they were kind of friends beforehand. Oh, so she was he had... a receptionist at his at his voiceover agent's office. Oh, so he knew that she had a boyfriend. No, they yes, never... yes, he knew that she had a boyfriend in the beginning. Okay, and he knew that she had this really cool lifestyle with the boyfriend because he owns hotels, and um, that so he tried to kind of befriend her, knowing that. With the assumption that every relationship ends, and the second it ends, he would swoop in. Uh And so he would invite her to shows, and they had kind of a budding friendship. So she came out to her shows uh, uh, regularly, or? She came out to a few shows, yeah. Yeah. And then the second she was single, Chris. Oh, she came to shows. Made uh, his way in. While she was still dating. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that it was like a, it was building. And then. So they kind of knew each other. Okay. She was single probably for a shorter time than she admitted. Uh-huh. It sounds like, according to Craig, it was two weeks. There we go. But two weeks. to me, it sounds like their relationship is rocky. Yeah. 
and tumultuous. Yeah, it's like one of those dysfunctional and relationships. together, not together. It's mm-hmm. the constant cycle of that. And I think that's kind of unfair to bring someone into that hurricane. Well, that's where a boy has to be mindful and say, this is not a situation I want to be part of unless I like drama. Yeah. Do you think a lot of guys like drama? Uh, no, but they don't. I, I think they don't go in with their eyes open. Yes. They sadly go in with their hands willing. <laughs> that's it's boys. True. That's it's just true. boys. And you girls know it. And you're like, oh, really? So, really? Look at me. I'm up here. All that stuff, right? Yeah. And we hope things are changing in the current environment. It might take a while. And right now they're bucking against it. You yeah. know that what bullshit of like, oh, what? The know witch that. hunt. Oh, so I can't do anything? You know what? No, you can't. You can't. You can't do anything. Not until she says so. So just take it effing easy. Right? It's mm-hmm. really that simple. Yeah. And also talk to women as if they're fellow human beings. Right. That's, Have no expectations. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what brings everything down. Do you think this whole Me Too movement is uh, freaking people out? Like freaking I hope so. men out? I hope so. Yeah. In a good way. People that decry uh, um, uh, political correctness. I mean, look, this, this is all on the side of progressivism in my mind. And that always wins. That always wins. It should. And so people try to drag it back to the dark ages, and it's not going back. It mm-hmm. might temporarily be, you know, might fall out of the wagon, and then you have to crawl back onto it and to, to move back up the hill and, you know, over to the promised land. Well, that, that's really an extended metaphor. But, um, you know, yeah, once you move ahead, you usually don't go back. I mean, although we're dangerously close to possibly overturning Roe v. Wade. I never thought mm-hmm. that would ever, ever happen. But um, anyway, so just vote. I guess that's the point of this episode. Now, let's get back to (laughs) back. I'm far afield of what we're doing. Uh, I don't know. Guys, you got to keep your eyes open going into a relationship. And you I think um, their desires, their um, genetic desires, uh, because men are just programmed differently. Yeah, they can't. They can't help it. It's always been a puzzle to me, like why a man still has the urge to mate way past a woman's desire to have children. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess biologically that is a little bit yeah. confusing. A little weird. A little weird. That, I mean, A, that you could keep having children because, I mean, someone says, well, you might, you always need kids. Well, there's always a young boy. So, anyway, I'm not sure why they designed these robots this way. <laughs> it's very men are from Mars. Yeah, sadly. We do function differently. Absolutely. And I think that men are very ego-driven. Women are too, but more so men. Uh, It's probably a survival instinct. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, If I challenge you, can you go kill that bear or that deer? And you say, I don't care. Why don't we just try and lure it here? It's like, well, you're going to starve. I would would kill the, the bear. You would kill it? Yeah. To win a competition? Yeah, sure. Oh, no, no, yeah. competition to, no, to no, live. No, no, it's for meat. Oh, to live. If we need yeah, yeah, meat. I'm talking oh, about, I I I'm talking about evolution. I mean, <laughs> we need protein. I we can't live oh, off no. of berries and nuts. Yeah. No, the, the thing is, for me, it all comes back to survival of the species. That's why we act right. the way we act. So I think we're all programmed to do certain things certain ways. So it's not men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's programming. It's genetic programming. If your job is to do this, your job is to do that. I think that's the basic follow-through for me. So we're just supposed to keep the earth populated. Yes. That's, that's our disposition. Yeah. Your job at a certain point is like, I'm feeling I really want to carry babies right now. Yeah. Men never have that idea. I guess not. No. No. 
The show does not appear to have a Twitter account, but Ariel Kashanki can be reached at Iranian Mermaid, which is capital I-R-A-N-I-A-N, capital M-E-R-M-A-I-D. Aaron Darling can be reached at capital E-R-I-N, capital A, capital D-A-R-L-I-N-G. David Keckner can be reached at capital D-A-V-I-D, capital K-O-E-C-H-N-E-R. The show can be found on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and you can find them on Libsyn at ghostedhunters.libsyn.com. That is G-H-O-S-T-E-D-H-U-N-T-E-R-S dot L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. And finally tonight, another show that I've listened to the entire run of so far. A show called The History of Stand-Up. It's from the Podglomerate, apparently. Its description reads... Comedian and Professor Wayne Fetterman has spent his life studying the art and history of stand-up comedy. Join him and fellow student Andrew Stephen as they look back at some of stand-up's most interesting moments, places, and people. The episode of Clipped is from November 20th, 2018. It's live with Dimitri Martin and Ian Abramson. It's a bonus episode. It was uh, aired or posted between seasons. Recorded live at Dynasty Typewriter at the Hayworth in Los Angeles, Wayne and Andrew joined comedians Ian Abraham and Dimitri Martin for a special live episode of The History of Stand-Up. In this clip, the group discussed comedy, both recent and ancient, with fascinating and funny results. I think, and we talked about alternative comedy a lot, is, and I have just a completely different view. I know you think it was like, oh, like a put-down and you're ghettoized and you're not really, you can't really play a club or something. I looked at it the other way. I looked at it like, oh, this is really interesting and re- expansive as far as material. For sure, I was totally like, drawn I to was it. Ju- I was totally thrilled to that. be involved with that scene at all. No, I was too. I think for me, maybe I, in a way, I was lucky because I got to do both. Because I did get up at some of the clubs. I would do the comic strip. A lot of the spots were late night and kind of mm-hmm. tough. But for for me personally, I love jokes. I love one liners. In a lot of ways, that's one of the most old fashioned ways to do comedy. They're just jokes. It's just like. But then I would just like to do them. In different ways. Let me ask you. What, let me ask you a question about one. Do you believe, and this is just philosophical, that your joke taken out could be used by other comedians, or do you feel you bring a certain? It's filtered through Dimitri. It's. Uh, I, th- I, I think both. I think it's kind of case by case, and I'm trying to learn how to have mm-hmm. it be more the latter. You want more that's specific to you. Here, here's something that really stuck with me. About five years ago, I think I, I read an article, or somebody told it to me, or it was in a book. <laughs> Or it was a daydream. I just you know where it. you are right now. <laughs> exactly. so, but I know this exists, and you can find it on the internet. Right. And um, maybe you know this story. But it was these archaeologists. We t- I think we talked about this, Ian, when we worked together. I, th- I remember telling this to you and Matt Donaher. Maybe we were hanging yeah. out. Okay. They found um, basically a joke book from ancient Greece. What? Or from Rome, but it was in Greek. It's uh-huh. from the ancient world. This yeah. is real. They found a joke, what's essentially a joke book, and they translated it. That's how they knew it was a joke book. Uh, and it was jokes. <laughs> it was jokes. They were jokes, and they were actual, like, hard jokes. And they said the jokes were... Um, they were fart jokes, ugly wife jokes, slave jokes... Because there were slaves in ancient Greece, and of course. you know, and uh, fat jokes, and I think blind jokes. From t- over two thousand, we're talking, however, over two thousand years ago, right? And 
they had some of the jokes in the article. And so I remembered, I only remember one of them, but you can find the jokes. Is it the fart? No. It's I... a guy sells a slave to another guy. Yep. Hilarious. Yeah, so <laughs> the slave dies. The buyer then goes to the seller and says, we have a problem. The slave you sold me died. And the seller says, that's crazy. He never did anything like that when he worked for me. <laughs> that's from over 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Fucking incredible. That is incredible. So that, to me, was inspiring. I could just see the guy shrugging. So I found that inspiring and humbling. Yeah. And it was also kind of exciting. And then the article made a really interesting point, which is they said, this is the dead parrot sketch. 2,000 years before Python did it. <laughs> In a way. They yeah, stole yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So course, then it, it, it kind of bring, it unearths all those ideas of like parallel thought and what's original and, mm-hmm. and every, what's been done and what hasn't been done. So when I started, I would get more upset if I had a similar premise to somebody or, you know, I became more worried about this idea that I love jokes. I love the ideas themselves. And I don't, right. it doesn't have to be about me, but it's my perspective. So if someone else could do my joke, at the same time, that ended up being upsetting because I'm like, oh, I want it to kind of be my joke, you know? Right. So, so now I'm, I've kind of come to peace. I'm at peace with that idea that, you know, you're going to think of things other people think of, but I still try to make it more personal. But then I think of that, you know, 2,000 years ago. That's I love an amazing Python. joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can reach out to the show on Twitter at Hist of Stand Up, which is H-I-S-T-O-F-S-T-A-N-D-U-P. Guests, Dimitri Martin at capital D-E-M-E-T-R-I, capital M-A-R-T-I-N. Guest, Ian Abramson at I-A-N-A-B-R-A-M-S-O-N. Host, Wayne Fetterman at Fetterman, capital F-E-D-E-R-M-A-N. And host, Andrew Stephen at Andrew Stephen, A-N-D-R-E-W-S-T-E-V-E-N. You can also go to thehistoryofstandup.com to find them, as well as everywhere else. Fine podcasts are captured, killed, and uh, the parts you don't eat are displayed on the wall somewhere. T-H-E-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y-O-F-S-T-A-N-D-U-P dot com. And before we leave you, it's time for the second and final burst of durst of the episode. From September 21st, 2019, Early Patterns, in which our intrepid correspondent offers up his considerable opinions on the early election processes. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about how our two major parties nominate a candidate. And it ain't pretty. Yeah, you're right. It is early. Way early. The presidential election isn't for 14 months, and even the Iowa caucuses are three seasons away, all of which in Iowa are winter. But some patterns are emerging. On the GOP side, four states have canceled primaries in 2020, so Donald Trump won't be embarrassed by potential rivals. Apparently, he's doing a good enough job by himself. It's a variation on the old axiom, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is more like, if it is broke, don't look at it in the light. The Democrats are typically waging war on themselves and getting pretty darn good at it. At every debate, the presumptive leader, Joe Biden, goes head-to-head with his most fearsome adversary, Joe Biden. But don't count Sleepy Joe out. In the last battle of the boring, he cleverly tried to suck up to the millennials by sneaking in a plug for vinyl. 
telling parents to play the record player. Elizabeth Warren is slowly capturing the zeitgeist of the party and the people. Forceful, bold, progressive, with a plan for everything. Medicare, she's got a plan. The environment, she's got a plan. Breakfast, she's got a pan. Bridger River, she's got a span. Former prosecutor Kamala Harris is losing momentum faster than ice on a lava flow, but not as fast as the other three Bs, Bernie, Beto, and Booty Gig, who are deflating like Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade balloons in a hail of gunfire. And Andrew Yang is capturing a lot of attention with his $1,000 a month for everyone plan. Approximately the amount of money that Tom Steyer has already spent to move up to 2% in the polls. And we've just started. Hold on. For Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, Soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Now you can still go to willdurst.com to find the Will Durst Journal, which is comedy for people who read or know someone who does. And again, you can send your Get Well cards to Will Durst, P.O. Box 225126, San Francisco, California, 94122. That's P.O. Box 225126, San Francisco, California, 94122. I would just like to state, of course, that it is the sincerest wishes of us here at Succotash that you have the most rapid and thorough recovery that can be imagined. There it is, another show. And in this case, the last episode. Of 2019, that is. There are two episodes left before we go on hiatus, and they are going to hear the light of day when the year is new and the 20s are too. I, I don't have a great deal of faith that that'll catch on as a saying, but one can dream, and one will, presumably of sugar plums around this time of year. This last epi of 2019 will be posted around actual Christmas, I imagine, although it really doesn't need to be. I only mention that because I've had a son for 11 months as of the 27th of December, and that's around actual Christmas as well. Just something that's on my mind, so I wrote it down, and as much as fingers clacking on keys, transmitting electrical impulses, yada 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 words on screen is writing. Thank you so much for spending time with us whenever it is you listen. We appreciate it more than it is possible to express, although I will still try. Remember, when you share us with others, you are also sharing bits of other soundcasts that other people often have put a great deal of work into. Sometimes those other people are the people who edit those soundcasts for the personalities who appear in them. And I salute everyone who has to do that particular task. So, from myself, Mark Hershon, Bill Haywad, Joe Paulino, Will Durst, and Scott Carvey, and all of our friends and family, who and wherever they may be or might have been, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and whatever else people celebrate that I am not yet worldly enough to know. Oh yeah, Festivus. Anyway... Enjoy it as much as you can. If you enjoy it as much, anyway, enjoy it as much as you can. And if you are of a mind to, please pass the succotash. You've been listening to Succotash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Tyson Saner. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on Donder, on Blitzen, on iHeartRadio, and on... <laughs> the Laughable App. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. 
Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at TysonSaner at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Succotash hotline at our toll call number, 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us by using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Succotash. Production of Succotash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, hosted by Tyson Saner. Our executive producer is Mark Hershon. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>